Hi there, I'm Mikey. Hi, I'm Corey. And we're with the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. And we are the official podcast partners of Grand Comic Fest. Grand Comic Fest is going on in Grand Island, Nebraska, April 21st through 23rd. Dude, I'm so excited for all the celebrities that they're going to have this year. They've got a great list of celebrities this year. Oh, yeah. And you know what? We're going to get to know those celebrities right here on this show. Yes, we are. So, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Please check out Grand Comic Fest on Facebook to get all the information. Or, you can check out the show notes. Get your tickets. Meet us in Grand Island. We'll be in Podcast Alley. But right now, we're going to get to know one of these great celebrity guests. Because we got to interview them. Yes, we did. So, please enjoy this show. And we'll see you in Grand Island. Grand Comic Fest. See you guys soon. Hey, what's up? It's Mikey. Hey, this is Corey. And we're back here with Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour, the Grand Comic Fest Guest Spotlight Series. So the purpose of this uh, series is to let you get to know the celebrities we are interviewing. And maybe you can come out and have something to talk to them about when you see them at Grand Comic Fest 5. That's uh, April 21st through 23rd in Grand Island, Nebraska. Yes, it is. And as you know, we will be there. We will. We'll be in, uh, what, Podcast Alley. We're going to be in Podcast Alley. But these celebrities will be there to meet you, to take pictures, to sign autographs, and just answer your questions. So uh, without further ado, what do you say we get into uh, this episode's featured guest? I'm ready, dude. All right, here we go. With us today, we have Greg Berg, uh, voice actor. Um, he's, he's done a little bit of everything here, and uh, we're going to kind of give an overview of, of his career and some of the things he has going on. So uh, how are you doing today, Greg? Terrific. The career is moving along in my 40th year, beginning of the 41st. Wow, 40, 40 years in, in the business. and Why don't you... If you would take us back and just kind of tell you, tell us uh, some of your early influences and how you actually got into the the, the business of of showbiz and voice acting and everything you've done. Right, I, I could be one of those vo- uh, names that people don't know, but they've heard my voice somewhere at some time because doing voices uh, as a multiple voice talent that I project, I. Uh, do voices in movies, TV, uh, radio, educational things where they just need a voice to cover either the announcing of a particular commercial or uh, in some cases it's called uh, sound-alikes where there might be a movie that had a celebrity that couldn't come back to record some dialogue. Maybe a plane went over while they were filming and uh, they didn't want to bring the celebrity in just for the one line or one word that they need to clear and they call somebody like me 
ask if I can match a voice. And so I've been in movies doing that. I've been in animation doing Jim Henson's Muppet Babies, uh, Baby Fozzie Bear and Baby Scooter and the first animated Muppet Baby show. So that's where I grew We grew up watching Muppet Babies. Oh, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. And so, I, you know, yeah, I used to watch Muppet Babies all the time when I was a little kid. Well, I live with the, the two right now. Fuzzy Bear, Waka Waka. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> so, I, I know that you, we're, we're going we're gonna to take a, a deep dive into Muppet Babies and, and everything else here because you've got quite a list of, of voices that you've done. Now, you studied with a gentleman named uh, Harvey Limbeck, is that correct? Harvey Limbeck, I came out to uh, Los Angeles in the late 70s, and my intent was to be a comedy character actor that I used to watch on various variety shows, like there was Sonny and Cher, they had some utility players there, like Murray Langston, who was the unknown comic uh, eventually. He, he and other character actors that would be on these shows doing background, and not really background because they did have lines and, and different characters that they would uh, provide throughout the shows. And I said, I want to do something like that. And uh, then too, I was a big fan of the uh, Three Stooges and, and anything that was funny on TV that made me smile and feel good. I said, I, I want to do that. And that's kind of how I chose being involved in entertainment. So I moved out to Los Angeles in the late 70s and I told people uh, what I wanted to do was be a, a funny comedy character actor. And what do I do to get to that point? And I was told to find a good comedy coach. And Harvey was probably one of the only ones at the time teaching legit comedy for TV and film. And so uh, I had an audition for the class, and then he accepted me. And from there, he uh, put us through routines to that we might encounter over the work that we uh, were looking to do. And so he, he got me all primed up uh, early 80s, and I was ready to knock on doors and say, I can do the, these parts that you're looking for well early 80s there were a lot of tv shows like happy days mork and mindy laverne and shirley that needed funny and silly people like that and right when i was ready to approach those type of shows i heard the word was that they were going to all be canceled <laughs> and uh i said now what do i do because i'm raring to go here and people said well do those characters for commercials and for uh, cartoons and I said okay where do I go for that so when these are like little stepping stones in my career I went from this to this to this and uh, that's how I got to where I am right now so looking back though yes Harvey Lembeck was a big influence for me and got me ready uh, prepared for the business for doing on-camera work and then again, back then, variety shows started to drop off as well. No interest in it uh, by the Hollywood community to uh, really develop anymore. So I said, yeah, the writing's on the wall. I'll find somewhere else to do what I do. And now, uh, uh, Harvey Limbeck had, you mentioned Happy Days. 
he was a coach to several actors on Happy Days as well as some other uh, pretty prominent names in comedy. Oh, Harvey was a big, big name throughout the industry. I mean, he, he would even bring in friends of his, his uh, well-known, like Milton Berle would show up oh, in wow. class just to watch. And it wasn't in our particular night because I think uh, the classes went five nights a week or more. So, yeah, Harvey would bring in some influential people just to watch the class and say, this is what he's doing. He, he had his own shows for many years before that. And uh, he was just, uh, I, I guess, in the 60s, early 60s. And he, he passed away in 82. But uh, he was known for his comedy touch to get people really in shape to deliver comedy well. And he, I mean, he's also known, talk about Harvey's background, I mean, he's also, he was on the Sergeant Bill Coe show with Bill Silvers for a long time, and, uh, way back then. But uh, even in the 70s, he was coaching uh, the Shanana group. Oh, wow. Uh, when they had their own little variety show or comedy show then, too. So, yeah, he, he was the guy to go to. So I found the right uh, in. Because after Harvey died, uh, I kept up my comedy jobs. Uh, I worked at the comedy store for a while. Not as a stand-up comic, but as a sketch comic. And so I was put into a sketch comedy group that featured Bill Hicks among people. It was myself, another comedy uh, improvisational actor, and, and then two stand-up comics, Bill Hicks and another stand-up comic, uh, Bob Barber, at the time. So... It was an eclectic mix there. And as, as I say, Harvey passed away in the early 80s, so then I jumped over to Second City, where it was great timing. They came into L.A. and put together the Second City in L.A. to do improvisational shows, and eventually we, we put on a, a show after so many weeks of uh, training. And then they left town. So again, it was just a matter of luck being at the right place, right time being able to jump into Second City. And then I jumped over to the National Lampoon Comedy Workshop. Oh, wow. So I do have yeah, a solid comedy background. And then uh, Muppet Babies came along, and they needed the voice for the comedic bear. And I said, you got the guy. Here's what I do. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the comedy store, because, of course, uh, uh, Mitzi and Sammy Shore ran that but you you mentioned bill hicks what was it like working with bill hicks because i know he, he drew influence from people like george carlin and sam kennison and he was uh he was kind of a a, a wild one i from what i remember he's a terrific guy uh we we even uh hang out there was a tv show or something we wanted to go see he was part of the group that would get together and say hey we're going to watch like the rodney dangerfield special being taped but this was like the raw bill hicks uh he was still forming in his style back then so we were all raw we we didn't know where our careers were going to go but he at the time did a pilot of some sort so he had some sort of thing in the works at the time uh, I don't think the pilot went anywhere, but then he kept sticking with the stand-up. I mean, I even knew him when he uh, took on a, a day job. He came out here from Texas as well. But, uh, yeah, so he, he applied himself where 
they needed what he did, and that was early days of stand-up comedy for him in Los Angeles, because there were, I think, only two or three clubs in operation at the time that you'd go to and uh, for stand-up comedy. So, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, we, we were put together as this group at the comedy store, and uh, we'd perform on their group night, and then we went our own ways after a while, because it was about 82 or 84, yeah, about 1982 that I left, because then I started to get a lot more voice work at the time. Yeah, it was an experience. Well, and, and speaking of, of some voice work that you did uh, maybe early on, and I can remember listening to the radio and hearing Rick D's Weekly Top 40 and some of the voices on there. Um, and we, we listened to a little clip here earlier. Uh, and you I know you appeared on at least one of these. You were uh, John Revolting. Other characters that were on there that, that we were kind of wondering... There was a Willard Weissman, Lena Wayback, and Poor Abby. Oh, yeah. Were you involved in those characters as well? Uh, the, the female voices were mostly performed by Rick's wife, Julie, okay. and Lee Dees, McWhorter. And uh, that, that's uh, interesting. It, it's almost like all these little jobs that turn into uh, other careers for me because Rick came into town in about 1978, about the same time I did, and I was just at a workshop watching people learn the craft of doing voiceovers. And uh, because I was in a radio class as a, in high school and loved radio way back then. And then, so when I moved to L.A., I found an outlet to, that needed different characters here and there for silly voices. But uh, I, I went to this workshop that uh, I was just an observer. I wasn't even there to participate. And Rick came in, said, I'm doing this new radio show, and my ears perked up. I said, I, I, I've done radio, wow, that's the guy. And he said, uh, I need some silly voices or whatever. And he, one by one, uh, people in the uh, workshop perked up and did their like Richard Nixon voice or something like, you're listening to Rick D's and stuff like that. But, uh, I, he, he recorded whatever he could, and then I said, you know, I'm here just to watch. I'm not part of the group, but I, I think I can do some voices for you. And this was late 70s, so instead of doing Nixon, I was basically doing, hi, this is John Travolta, and, uh, you know, could somebody tell me where I'm at right now? <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so uh, after he got all the, like, people clapping and cheering and things like that, he, he asked me if I could give him a call when his show started, and I did. And we, I think when it, this character came up doing celebrities here in Hollywood, <laughs> calling celebrities, because aside from John, I said, well, you know who John was at the time. I could also do a uh, Gabe Kaplan say, "Hey, uh, this is Miss Cotta. Uh, how you doing, Rick Dees?" You know, <laughs> and, uh, and I just bounced all over the place with more modern voices. I was doing, that. and he says, "Yeah, give us a call." And I, I guess because he wanted something more hip than <laughs> Nixon or Humphrey or whoever they were doing back then, uh, some of the characters people were doing so we were calling in basically i was saying it was john travolta but i do something airheaded uh, uh saying like oh i was with my uh, girlfriend yesterday and she said do you want to get in the back seat 
I said, no, I want to sit in the front with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it turned into like a regular routine, and I I stuck with him. He was at KHA Radio at the time, which was the big boss radio, big history and all that. But to me, it was just a job of uh, filling in what they needed. And so I worked for Rick uh, doing these voices. After a while, he moved over to an FM station and became the hottest radio personality in town for those 20 years. And we couldn't say it was John Travolta. Either it was a legal thing or somebody might have complained saying, I can't believe that was, uh, uh, you know, John's so stupid. (laughs) So (laughs) we changed the name. We called him John Revolting. Oh, wow. He bought, uh, Rick uh, helped, well, he, he had me get a lime green leisure suit with a bunch of chains to put around my neck. And uh, Do you still have the suit? I sure do. That's uh, awesome. At the time, it was the large size, so I'm extra, extra large now. But, uh, <laughs> That's all right, so are we. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I think I fit into the pants at least, but uh, uh, yeah, over time it... Uh, uh, took its toll. I mean, I, I had like TV show jackets that were large and uh, I had to either uh, pack them away or I sold some because of the, what am I going to do with them other than keep them for uh, memories. Yeah. Well, and polyester uh, shrinks. I will I will give you that. Polyester does shrink terribly, so. That could have happened, yeah. <laughs> that's, my, that's my excuse for all my clothes. Yeah. Yeah, so well, uh, I mean, I had that suit because we would do live appearances. We went to Disneyland. We went to the L.A. Forum for a New Year's Eve show featuring Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. That and, had been really cool. Uh, it was, yeah, 18,000 people filled up the place, and uh, I, I there I was standing on stage in front of my parents. <laughs> in a green laser suit. <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah, my, my folks are from... Uh, my dad was born in 1919, and my mother was born in 1932, so they had no idea what I was doing, but they just said, you know, look, <laughs> Greg's on stage, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is just like, I'm just reminiscing now. Oh, that's I don't know great. That's great. The listeners are interested in any of this, but yeah, so I did these voices for Rick Dees, for uh, calling in. Anytime I thought of something, I, again, with that, some. Uh, solid comedy background. I knew the timing and knew how to let him say his part and me say my part. And, uh, and I think even Rick studied with Harvey Lembeck. So, uh, you know, things came around. Uh, but this, this is like talk that I probably never even brought up on any other interviews. So that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Other other people that have followed what I've done. But that's, yeah, again, that's just like a small percentage of what I did. So uh, my whole career, though, over 40 years, is like jumping from rock to rock to uh, keep me uh, above the water here. And so it started with doing voices for Rick Dees just as a side thing, but studying and looking to do TV comedy where I could. Eventually, as you see how... Uh, TV and film comedy have, have gone. It's not the old Mel Brooks anymore, and not uh, like the Zucker brothers I love. But, uh, so now it's a little bit more cruder or street comedy, and that's why I'm not doing as much of that. <laughs> yeah. so I, 
find a good project that I'd love to be part of that's uh, for, for on camera if I do that. They had a few on camera roles that were really small parts, but it gave me credits to say that I had been around top of the, the business uh, places. I did an appearance on Silver Spoons back in the 80s, Knott's Landing. And uh, so, so nothing memorable, but it was work. You, so. you played a grill on Chips, too, didn't you? Uh, I was a voice. Uh, I, basically, Chips uh, brought me in where they hired me to do something called ADR or looping, which means uh, automatic dialogue replacement or words that people can't hear. If there's a crowd in the scene, we would just go, oh, 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 oh yeah, oh, 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 and make crowd noises. Oh, okay. uh, those are two separate entities as well. So in Chips, they had, a, I guess, a telegram messenger dressed as a gorilla coming to the door. So they might not have remembered who they used or whatever. So they needed somebody to be the voice of the gorilla. Uh, I forget even what I said, like messenger, you know, or I'm here with a message for you. And uh, so they hired me to be a voice in a crowd or of uh, a specific uh, thing that they needed to avoid. And I see here speak to that John Travolta thing. I actually did John's voice in a movie called Chains of Gold, one of his earlier movies. Oh, wow. Where he was on a phone talking and, and they needed him to be more clear on something. So I said the words that he was saying at the time because he was busy on another project. But uh, so that, that was a thrill to be part of. Well, and I, I see uh, on your, you know, speaking of the, uh, the episodic television shows, you had a, a, a voice appearance on Night Court playing Bob Hope? Yeah, again, it was a show. Uh, there's many shows out there that need uh, some specifics. So uh, here in a lot of places, they can just get any other actor to come in that has that experience of doing voiceovers. Uh, and in this case, they needed specifically somebody who could sound like young Bob Hope. So again, I, I have a lot of background working with voices, uh, multiple voices, levels and uh, sounds. So I, I, out of my list of celebrities that I do impressions of uh, or voice matching of, because uh, th there's a big difference between impressions and uh, uh, voice matching. And uh, so they needed, uh, it was a scene where I guess the crew is doing a flashback to when they were in the Vietnam era and uh, one of the character actors was working uh, when Bob Hope was supposedly on stage. And so they show like the back of a curtain, but they wanted to make it sound like Bob Hope was there. So I gave him, hey, this here's Bob Hope and uh, and Bob, 50-year-old uh, Hope going on 100 and, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever, and, and did the voice for whatever they needed said. I, he was busy telling a joke on stage. Plus, <laughs> to uh, approve of the joke that they were doing. So, oh, that wow. was the background of it, too. Yeah, they didn't want somebody just to be silly and, you know, making fun of them. So, yeah, they kept it credible. And I was the voice of Bob that they heard. <laughs> and, uh, and again, oh, I, I can't believe my mind's going all over the place because when you bring up one thing, it leads to another. I, I actually worked 
with Bob Hope's uh, main cue card holder. Oh, wow. And met Bob through him. Oh, cool. <laughs> this might have been, yeah, I think it was before I even did uh, the Night Court voice. So there's a little connection there to actually meet the person I was doing the voice of. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's part of my history as well. I've been working uh, uh, as an assistant to Bob Hope's cue card holder. And I, in looking over your your resume of voices, I see that you have been a robot in a lot of different things. Namely, like uh, Revenge of the Nerds. You were the robot in Revenge of the Nerds. There was, yeah, well, it was uh, the uh, robot in um, uh, Short Circuit, actually. Oh, in Revenge oh. of the Nerds, I was a, a voice of a guy falling off a bicycle. Again, that was something where they needed a voice uh, to fill in a space where somebody was riding a bicycle looking the opposite way and it falls off. So okay. I would, uh, was brought into the, that voice. But in short circuit, they did a, a segment where there were robots like the Three Stooges. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's right. So they needed that. And this was before anybody else who was imitating Three Stooges, I guess, were there. But again, that was one of my influences so I said oh that'd be great to be uh, chosen one day to have anything to do with the three stooges like that so yeah it was the voice of the Larry robot so again it didn't have to be exact uh, but you had to get the impression that it was Larry these days like they did for the three stooges movie they needed people to actually sound uh, right on Larry so yeah that's one of the other fun bits I got to do. Very cool. This whole career amazes me because I never know what I'm going to be each day when I get up. Right. <laughs> you, and you, did you do um, some studying with uh, with Dawes Butler from Hanna-Barbera? Uh, well, Dawes was the, one of the main uh, pillars of Hanna-Barbera there because most of the characters that they used uh, was Dawes. He was Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear and Mostly anything that helped build that studio. I grew up watching all those characters, and here I was at age of uh, getting to work, and one of my jobs was to do animated voices. I said, where do I go to learn uh, how to do it properly? And I heard Dawes Butler was giving workshops and one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I took the one-on-one -on -one coaching with Dawes, and uh, he would give me tips here and there as he heard my reads or just things about the business. And then one day he passed away and they were creating some of the classic characters as younger versions. So my voice was still on the young side of things and uh, I did my impressions or my uh, characterizations of what Dawes' characters were. And I got picked to be young Huckleberry Hound for a show called Yo Yogi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that show. That was, a good, that was a really good show when we were little. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, they wanted to keep the characters rolling, and and then my concern, too, was uh, in honor of Dawes. Uh, I said, well, I sure hope uh, you know, somebody doing the other characters uh, really either knew Dawes or, or had some sort of connection to his work. And sure enough, they hired Greg Burson to be Yogi Bear. Hmm. And Greg studied with Dawes maybe 20 years or 15 years or so 
heck of a lot longer than I did, and I was happy to be part of that group uh, that here another student of Dawes was uh, picked to carry the characters on. And now, did you get you got to reprise a couple of his uh, his characters for the fiftieth anniversary show as well? Uh, yeah, Baba Louie and Augie Doggy. Yeah, because like, well, young Huckleberry and on his face like this, you know, Dawes was in his seventies uh, when uh, he finally passed away, and uh, so I was still more of a youthful Huck, and that's why they used me for Yo Yogi, because they were all like teenagers you're supposed to be. And then uh, when they did the 50th anniversary tribute to Hannah Rivera, uh, those were a couple of his characters, Augie Doggy and uh, Baba Louie, and they did have just one or two lines for them to sing uh, as part of the tribute. So they auditioned for them, and I, again, filled in for what they needed. Now, Augie Doggy, that was, that was a son. Well, well uh, Baba Louie is, is something like this, you know, and uh, yeah, these days I'm sure they can't uh, revive uh, that character, uh, <laughs> but it made it through the 50s and 60s, I'm sure, <laughs> as you see. But uh, And then Augie Doggy was, yeah, Doggy Daddy's son. Yep. And he's basically, oh, my pop, he's the best around. Oh, my God, that is so <laughs> awesome. This is great. But they they had them singing or something like that or saying something like that's my dad you know or something but <laughs> yeah but I knew the characters and so thrilled I mean be part of that and I'm going wow that was me that did that <laughs> but here we are talking to each other I mean whatever the listeners are hoping to get from this interview I, I hope I can inspire them to come on by say hi and. Ask any questions they might have about cartoons or... Look at, yeah, speaking of the cartoons now, I'm seeing Garfield and Friends, which was another favorite of mine. Right. Um, and that was a guest, guest uh, role on that as well. Uh, one, the one episode that really stuck out that I did was uh, Garfield builds a refrigerator, a robot <laughs> refrigerator. <laughs> and it would start doing uh, different voices of uh, comics, I guess. Okay. So, yeah, uh, like, each line it was given would have a new line from a different comic. I actually did, like, uh, uh, Bob K. Goldthwait take off, and then, who was big at the time uh, where everybody knew who you're doing. That, that's the thing when you do voices, again, some of them get stale, or people say, who was that, or whatever. So, but it, it fit in for what the, the writer and director needed. He wrote it uh, to where I can show some of those voices that I do. So, and I did like a Sam Kennison yell oh, <laughs> voices. That's not, when you talk about the comedy story again, that's why I think my mind's going all over the place. Uh, I, I can tell you, I, I met Sam Kennison there. And so I knew him uh, that from that kind of association. And so when somebody says, can you do Sam Kennison? I said, well, since I heard him, uh, you know, Sam's kind of like this. And, uh, ah, ah, ah! <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're huge, yeah, huge Sam Kennison fans. So yes. That's amazing. Oh, same here. Yeah, it was fun to even know him. Because, again, I knew him before he got discovered through Rodney Dangerfield. It's on that show, movies and all that. So, yeah, it's uh, 
fun being in this pool, I tell you. And, uh, and, and it's also fun because I get to do some obscure voices that nobody really, uh, 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 not, not the mainstream knows. So when I, I'm in a group on stage or something like that, I do a voice that maybe just the people in the comedy business know. <laughs> I try to do it just as, as best I can with it. Because I'd do it for somebody else, and they'd say, who was that? I said, well, ask somebody who knows that particular type of voice I would do it. Have you ever done an impression for the actor you're impersonating? Well, one time Rick Vies uh, hooked me up on a phone call with John Travolta, who was promoting something at the time. And he said, uh, a lot of people know that we have John Travolta, and now we have John Travolta here. I just want to show you there's two different people doing this. <laughs> and then he had <laughs> say something, and he had John say something. And, uh, so that, that was one. And then I, I was, I think, even talking to a comic named David Brenner. That mm -hmm. was in the 70s. And I was able to imitate his voice. And uh, so... They, they hooked us up, and I, I did a David Brenner kind of joke. Again, I don't want to get too obscure here and, and say, hey, this is David Brenner, because a lot of people maybe younger and not know him. Yeah. I did a, did a joke, and then David, David came back and said, well, it didn't happen on a bus. It happened on a train or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. Yeah, sometimes you do meet some of the people, but there's uh, some that... Uh, they don't even know that people were being used to <laughs> fill in for their voices. You know, like Bob Hope, I did after meeting him, so uh, I never had a chance to meet him again to, to say, hey, I did your younger voice or whatever. But then sometimes uh, I've heard in the past from people who do voices of other people, uh, like Frank Welker is a big time uh, voice guy. Oh yeah, I I am a big Frank Welker fan. Yeah, we, well Frank was on Muppet Babies with us yep. uh, seven years, and uh, he was doing Bill Cosby's voice for things that Bill Cosby uh, uh, couldn't make or said, "Well, get somebody to do him." But I guess between the two of them, they knew each other or met somehow, and and things can lead to that. So there are these voices that I do that maybe some of the people that uh, need somebody to do their their voice for them when they're sick or yeah. not able to make it. Uh, but so far, nobody's uh, called on me that way. But some people who do know in the back of their mind, oh, Greg has multiple voices. Can you do this? And they can at least ask. And that's what I do. So let, let's jump into, you know, talk about uh, Muppet Babies, and also you did uh, Little Muppet Monsters, which was you know, had about a, a year or two run. What a show, yeah. Uh, well, that was a spinoff, I guess, from Muppet Babies, uh, because it was running uh, for a while. Uh, Muppet Babies won the uh, Daytime Emmy Award four years in a row for an outstanding animated program, and so I guess they were looking to... Uh, do a takeoff that they could still utilize uh, what, whoever was doing Muppet voices. And uh, so they came up with Little Muppet Monsters, I think. And within, they really mixed it, a uh, mix between actual Muppets, and then they did some animation in there where they had Fozzie Bear growing up and walking down the street with Kermit. <laughs> and 
they say, okay, now he's not little Fozzie anymore, he's grown Fozzie. So all I had to do was unpinch my voice and then uh, kind of do what Frank Oz did as Fozzie. And, uh, so yeah, I was doing Fozzie's voice for uh, that segment, and they had Pigs in Space, I believe. So I was Dr. Strangepork. And <laughs> for the Muppet fans, they'll say, oh yeah, that's, that's the character. So, you know, the people that are listening right now would... Uh, know the names they say. I, I would say probably Pigs in Space was one of my favorite clips from the Muppet Show. Oh yeah. And Doctor Strange Park was ah, this is Julius Strange Park. Now get into the spaceship. Come on, let's go, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, there are all these different voices, but basically, you know, here I am just talking about things I've done, and uh, I hope this interests the uh, uh, people listening right now. Maybe they just want to say hi or have questions. Some of them uh, I meet at these conventions uh, tell me, hey, I'm, I'm working on doing voices too. Can you, can you tell me how, how this sounds to you or something like that? It just depends what they, they're, they're interested in. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this convention to meet people who will uh, come on up and say they heard us. So do you... When you were doing Muppet Babies, did you have, uh, did they come to you and say, this is what we want Fozzie or Scooter to sound like? Or did you have some free reign to kind of develop that voice on your own? I think with Scooter, that was, uh, I, I was, I, I didn't know I was even going uh, uh, to you know, really try hard to get that. I just hoped I got something. But uh, for Fozzie, uh the town is full of people doing voices at that time, but uh, they were more older actors, I think, because all these uh, were supposed to be the uh, Muppet Babies. And uh, so for Fozzie, I did my version of what he would sound like as a kid, uh, tweaking the voice. But I did see the movie to know that's kind of what they wanted to do. And... Uh, so that's what I went in doing. And Scooter, uh, I knew the character from the Muppet Show, where basically he was playing the stage manager, going, "Come on, Miss Piggy, you're on in about five minutes." And uh, I said, "So he has to be a kid as well." Uh, he wasn't in the scene from Muppets Take Manhattan that they developed the show from, but I said, "Okay, so maybe uh, Scooter's like this uh, as a kid, and uh, he he works the computer." And hey, Fozzie, I got a joke here for you now. You know, and so it uh, came across well for what they needed, and said I'll be doing Fozzie and Scooter. Yeah, this is, these 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 voices they take me back. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm surprised when I come up with a voice uh, even these days because I play with it, and if I'm doing uh, like I, I have a list of comics uh, voices that I do. Uh, kind of like uh, Norm Macdonald, right? And he's not around anymore. <laughs> so I uh, might find some of his jokes and just record them and do that. And 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 I entertain myself with them. <laughs> and, uh, even Gilbert Gottfried. I mean, uh, he's gone, and yet when I want a good laugh, all I do is an imitation of him and tell the jokes that he would tell and make myself laugh. Oh, that was spot on, too. That was amazing. Well, thanks, yeah. yeah. Well, he's one of those boys that quite a few people started doing, too. It's kind of like when everybody started doing Christopher Walken. A lot of people uh, 
uh, are out there saying they can do voices, but the stuff I do are voice alikes and then some impressions. So uh, I'm not the type that like I'm going to turn around and look like this person. Say, Just close your eyes and you really think the person's in the room. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I do uh, these days anyway, and uh, uh, always stretching the uh, boundaries to, to find other creative uh, outlets to apply what I do. Now I know. Corey is probably really going to geek out over this because he's a huge fan of both of these. But you stepped into the, a couple of roles on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Another big show, yeah. yeah. Uh, what happened was, uh, which doesn't really happen that often or didn't back then, uh, the guy named Barry Gordon, great talent, and been around a long time, I used to watch him on the Jack Benny show. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, he was the voice of Donatello. And uh, he eventually became president of the Screen Actors Guild. And so he had to put his attention to their goings on. And uh, so he couldn't make certain recordings. And they needed somebody to sound like him. And that was a lot of what I was doing at the time, other than being a new voice on the block. So I did my audition for sounding like Barry and you know he's like uh, he's the guy that came up with all the inventions is uh, Donatello to try to get Crane and Shredder and uh, so <laughs> the audition and uh, they said yeah you know, come in and so we did a few episodes of those uh, I think we did over 200 episodes and I did maybe six of them but uh, people remember me because they also included it in the VHS tapes that came out back then. Yep. So I do the conventions as well to some of the uh, fans that say, okay, well, we got the original Turtles autographs, but now we got Greg's because he was the alternate voice for Donatello. So, and and uh, Bebop as well, is that is that right? Uh, Bebop, yeah. He, he was the same voice that uh, Barry did. <laughs> and, oh, uh, God. <laughs> So they, they told me, they said, well, you know, and again, being a multi-voice, uh, they, they left out because I could do uh, Barry and then delved into it as to what was he doing as the bebop uh, sound. So, uh, yeah, it matched and uh, worked for them, and I'm happy to be part of that back group of, because uh, later on, other uh, of the Turtles uh, needed somebody to fill in for them, and I don't think they did as many shows, so uh, I'm out there just to keep the memory going for people that might have seen the episodes I was part of. And another thing that Corey is a huge fan of here is the Transformers, and you were in uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon. That was, yeah, Transformers 3. I remember I auditioned something like in December, and then I get a call in April. said, okay, they want you for this character called Igor, which was like a pet to one of the Decepticons. And uh, so I'm seen mostly in a scene where uh, uh, the Transformers attack the uh, Lincoln Memorial, and uh, the head of Lincoln is... Uh, sitting by itself and Igor rolls it around like a dog toy <laughs> and uh, that was a lot of grumbling but I think later on they had me add some other words or else they did just as a side thing to 
uh, have me say words, but it was almost like, yes, master, yes, master. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember now. Okay, yep. <laughs> Somebody said, hey, remember when you said this? I said, I just remember that particular scene, but they said, yeah, there was other scenes that I used something from. But yeah, that was uh, uh, used for that. I, I, I don't know if they'll bring him back or they never explain what happened to the character, so still heard and seen uh, heard in it and seen that character in it but, and as I say when, when I do voices now doing this for so many years yeah they, they've used me for those projects that people say okay Gredberg do this I was in Toy Story the original Toy Story oh, wow. and so a lot of originals back then when things were really starting to take off in animation and kind of movies and, and other uh, TV channels that featured animation and I, I surprise other people by telling them you've heard me if you've seen the movie the other guys <laughs> and they said well, I don't know I, I saw the movie what, what, what did you do I said well I was featured my voice was featured in the first 12 minutes and uh, I was a voice that they kept in because they got a good laugh when they did the preview at, uh, test screenings and they were going to cut the voice out, but they kept it in. But I was a, a voice that stuck out in the movie The Other Guy. So they didn't give credit because they can't say the unseen voice or anything. Just like in uh, The Simpsons, uh, or no, there's some other uh, movies I've done where they wouldn't be able to just say, you know, such and such voice. Or if they even have to say that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've been, in, been around doing uh, voices where anybody needs a voice, basically. You did. You, I couldn't do a, uh, a dark, dark evil voice. Apparently. So you did uh, some some video game work as well. Uh, the one game that that stuck out to me was EverQuest that you you voiced quite a few characters in. I didn't. Yeah, and that one I probably did about twenty two characters. And I remember getting the call. They said we need somebody to do multiple voices. They said yeah, I could give you. Uh, everything from characters to preachers and things like that. Well, I get in there, and then they said, well, these are all going to be uh, English <laughs> uh, characters. So I had to just tweak it by putting an English character uh, voice to each of the character uh, descriptions that I was given. So if it was going to be a, a tough guy, then, you know, uh, I, I don't even know any of the dialogue anymore, but... Um, it was big at the time because they said, oh, EverQuest is coming out or uh, things like that. And so once I do these projects, uh, sometimes I have to be reminded. That's uh, Even like with Transformers, they, as I said, I auditioned in December and then they called me in April. I said, can you tell me what I was doing back then? Because between all that, I must have thrown out another 50 voices. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so doing, uh, yeah, the EverQuest was one of the video games. There's a handful I've, I've done just because of what they needed. Uh, these days, some people are doing it as favors, like getting their friends to be in it. Yeah. And so I'd say, like, well, I, I can do that too, but, yeah, it'll take less time for you to record me than somebody else that might just be starting. So I, I, I promote myself as a long-time pro at this but that, so as far as games go I, I just don't know uh, 
you know, who's who's looking for what, and but I'm here. And, uh, <laughs> you did you did some commercial work as well. Um, Ooh, yeah. You were the the voice of Kiko Man and the the teriyaki sauce. Yeah, that came out the late '90s. If everybody remembers it, I, that's another one of those things that they might have seen. Which uh, I'm saying they might have seen it because it was about the same time Carol O'Connor died, and they did it all in the family tribute to him. Oh yeah. And they they had on some cable station, but almost every commercial break it was the Kiko Man commercial. So people were saying it again, or but they did enough of. Uh, varying uh, the, the scene so it was fun to watch each time it came up uh, Kiko Man yeah they, they were trying to have a, a new spokesperson for the Kiko Man teriyaki sauce uh, business and they said he was supposed to be like the Johnny Carson character that Johnny would do that was frightened uh, when the camera came on <laughs> and so they just said uh, hi I'm here uh, with Kiko Man teriyaki sauce and let me show you in the next 30 seconds how, how you can make a great dinner with using the product, whatever. And so they said, yeah, I did what they were. Uh, it was humorous and it made them laugh. So uh, it worked for that. And then it was supposed to continue, apparently. But after three years, they said they weren't going to have Kiko Man anymore. It was a claymated uh, character that uh, Will Benton Studios did. And a very originally done that well they, i said what happened did, did we do it something wrong they said no they just had a new president for the kiko man company and he didn't believe that he should mix animated uh, characters with food <laughs> and i nobody it wasn't up to me to discuss it but it, what came to mind was, yeah, it didn't work for Pillsbury, did it? With the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> so I couldn't understand that part. But then eventually, if you might have noticed, uh, if you're in tune with TV from the 2000 cents, uh, little by little, there were very few food commercials with animation in it. Yep. Even the Doughboy, all he does is giggle now, I think. So they kept him, but he just goes, <laughs> and, uh, or when somebody pokes him, or they just, yeah. but they, they used it, but he doesn't talk. That's what happens when I poke Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were also Galactic Grape from the Good Buddies uh, fruit drinks? Yeah, that's kind of uh, some offshoot of some company that had uh, different fruits with silly voices uh, encouraging the kids to pick that particular product it was called Good Buddies I, I, that I haven't seen for years though whoever was making them might have sold it off but among commercials I, I was also a voice of the honey drop for Golden Graham cereals during the 80s uh, when they did a more featuring like Olympic sports and things. They have the honey drop, which was animated, come on a skateboard through the uh, scene. And while well, a kid might be dressed up as a football player or a baseball player, girls gymnastics or something. So it had that athletic feel to it. I remember those commercials. Oh, yeah. He was going to, you know, I, I kind of kept thinking, oh, is he going to be like a Tony the Tiger, a new forever used uh, 
character, but eventually that faded away. Uh, no idea why, but it could have been just because that was just the uh, little amount of time they were going to test him and see if he catches on or whatever. Yeah. Because they kept Honey Bee with, uh, and that, that voice has changed all the time. But I wasn't the Honey Bee for Cheerios. I was the same company, but uh, they wanted a talking honey drop. And he he gave the typical line, part of this good nutritious breakfast. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. And, and all these commercials, uh, at least that I know of, are on YouTube. So I direct the diehard fans of uh, animation to hear some of my work by going back to those commercials on online. So, and you mentioned as we were talking before we started recording here, that something that you is kind of an interest to you now is doing like career coaching for people that are looking to get into the business. And I know that you had written an article for a magazine that every kid that I know of read, the Highlights magazine. Oh, yes. Another uh, thrill for me was Highlights for Children magazine uh, was interested in an article back in the 1990s before uh, many of these voiceover books came out. Uh, now you go to a bookstore and you probably find uh, shelves of uh, how to do voice work and all this, but in a one or two page article, I wrote this geared for kids or whoever likes to read highlights, uh, how to do voices uh, or how to make up a voice for whether they're reading a story or eventually interested in the animation. But uh, I gave little steps as to you know, how to find this. And Highlights was interested, and so uh, I submitted my uh, ideas, and uh, they turned it into an article. Uh, I still have a copy of it somewhere around, uh, uh, keeping as a memory. Because I, too, grew up reading those in dentist offices. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Only place I found them, anyway. But, yeah, so I, I did that. Yeah, it's a, this has been a very fun a trip that I'm on so far <laughs> and I can't wait to see more come up uh, when you say coaching I, I, I like being a mentor to people uh, uh, really serious and involved in it because if I start going to all these beginners uh, some of them are unsure so not uh, shying away from them I would at least help them by uh, showing them how they can achieve whatever they wanted they don't really have to be interested in voiceovers uh, I, I first explain what I did and the the point was to show that I achieved one of my uh, deepest goals that I always wanted to do and uh, so I will give talks if people are interested uh, we can give information later how to contact me because uh, I'm uh, discussing with speaking managers uh, to set up uh, events that would like to have me come in and talk about what I do, but then also add how other people attending would be uh, able to do what they want to do, not just voiceover. So I think so, that's awesome. Yeah, that, to give back. Kind of like yeah. a transformational coach, more or less, I call it. Yeah. <laughs> it's taking them from where they are now, maybe they had a hard time or don't know how to do this or that. And so if they're not, like, building a rocket, <laughs> at least the advice I could give them could uh, inspire them to move on. I, I've spoken with 
students at colleges. Uh, well, one college that uh, comes to mind, a friend of mine uh, was like a career counselor and uh, had me talk to a couple of his students before they graduated as to what the voiceover business is about. Uh, I, I didn't know where they were looking to explore, but I just told them what I did. And then again, I coached them to say, uh, what is it that they want to do? And at least this is some steps to take to do it, to get started. And the counselor called me back later and said, they were so inspired by you. I said, really? Well, I think I could do this for quite a few more people. And so I'm opening myself up now to uh, doing speaking engagement. And uh, I know a few other uh, voice people have uh, given talks at different places, but uh, maybe it was just talking about uh, their work. But uh, I'm adding how to inspire them because I want to see them become uh, uh, satisfied with them being happy uh, getting what they wanted to do as well because I did it and so if I could do it <laughs> I figured it's got to be easier for them <laughs> now do you have anything upcoming um, that you would like to, to talk about any any projects that you've worked on that are yet to be released well, there are things uh, always uh, in the works, and in this particular case, I can't talk about this one in particular that's due out this month. Uh, there's a show that I was part of a miniseries, uh, two episodes of maybe four or five of their episodes, and I can't talk about it because I signed a contract to keep quiet about it because I don't think they have a time uh, slot yet. And okay. I don't even know if they cut out my part or not. It made the show too long or what they did to it. But uh, all I can say is uh, I'm working, but uh, uh, it's more right now hush-hush. And uh, then, of course, I've got the uh, convention coming up next month to uh, uh, come up and whatever they want to do, or talk about the business or hear me do a voice or two. And... Uh, We'll be there. Sure, and that's uh, the, the Grand Comic Fest 5 that we're talking about, uh, April 21st through 23rd in Grand Island, Nebraska. Uh, you can come up, you can uh, you can meet Greg, and you know get autographs, talk to him, ask him questions, and uh, try to draw some inspiration for yourself, uh, and, and relive some of these great memories that you had as a kid watching things like Muppet Babies or... Uh, you know, pound, pound Puppies and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all these great shows that you were a part of. Yeah, the Pound Puppies, I'm glad you brought that up. That was uh, the one of their, one or, I don't know how many movies they've done because they haven't followed them because uh, every once in a while their head pops up. Uh, this was Pound Puppies, The uh, Adventures of Big Paw. Yeah, yeah. And that one, again, I don't know how it comes about, but it just happened. Uh, they had a character... Uh, they're named Beamer and he was wearing like an old school jacket uh, or sweater I think it was a jacket you know a letter jacket and uh, they wanted him like a 50's uh, character so again I threw in a little twist of the John Travolta character because <laughs> <laughs> I think Grease was big at the time too the the, the legend of Big Paw is uh, called with the town puppies I think I remember that character yeah it was, yeah, it was like a leather letterman jacket or like an old like an old yeah, school bomber jacket. Yeah, yeah. 
So and that's why you know we do the voices at the time, and uh, I don't know. Sometimes they'll they'll feature the character on another project or something. But uh, these are characters I, I've done, and uh, people might remember that stuck out at least. I got I got one question. When you guys are doing the voices, or when you're doing the voices, are you actually watching the animation in front of you as you're reading the script, or you kind of just read it and then they put it all together? Most of the time they do that with uh, the uh, style of anime, where they've already recorded and pr produced the, the project and didn't like the voices that were in them or they were foreign voices. So they would have people like uh, myself or other anime favorites uh, come in and, and talk to the screen. Uh, but in cases of dubbing, sometimes uh, dubbing is where they would show, uh, like I uh, actually I did a show last year uh, that came from Peru called, uh, um, let's see, uh, Life, uh, they, they did a twist on the title, right? Oh, Life Till Us Part or something like that. And okay. it was from, uh, and, and, uh, so they had me look at a character and say, okay, do this voice in English. And so I did have to watch the screen and words to put to it. But, uh, and, and sometimes in looping, that's when they, have a crowd scene so they'll say okay there's a crowd and you're going to be the guy with the megaphone or something like that those are all done to screen and picture but uh, for animation uh, most of the time it's just uh, you creating the character and then it's up to the artist to, uh, like, like in some cases I added words that wasn't in the script so then the artist had to add you know the animators added their uh, actions based on what i was saying okay that creative part comes in very cool well, yeah we we covered a lot yeah, I of I sleep i can <laughs> I, I could just come up with all these voices in my sleep and start talking at them <laughs> we, we, we covered quite a bit of your, of your your great you know long career here uh is there anything else that that you've done that, that you wanted to mention um i know we've, we've come up with a couple things just by having a conversation Right. Well, that's why I say whoever's listening and or what they're trying to get out of this, I, I hope I can just <laughs> let them know I'm uh, uh, I'm this voice talent and that's what I do as a voice talent and uh, uh, available for uh, anybody who's like, I, I, I meet students who say, hey, I, I'm, I'm working on a new project. You want to be part of it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I just say, well, this is what I can do for it if my schedule's open. Uh but letting people know, uh, I mean, at the conventions, I meet people, and they would say uh, they've read an article that had wrong information in it because they would say, weren't you in this show? And I'd say, no, somebody started a rumor that I was in a particular show, or there's another actor with a similar name to mine, and uh, they would, uh, I was at one convention, they said, and here's the guy from such and such show, and I said, that wasn't me. <laughs> well, this article said it. You, you, you did that show. I said no. That that was a similar name, or else wasn't even me uh, uh, to be in there closely. I mean, it, just like for Toy Story, there's nothing that I have 
a, a decent picture of to show what I did because I was a voice of the robotic doors at Pizza Planet. And I was the voice that said, you know, welcome to Pizza Planet, as Woody and Buzz ran through the door before it closed. And so <laughs> oh, I, I, I can show a picture of doors and say, hey, it's me, Greg Brew with the doors. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's things like that. I wish I had more pictures like that to uh, uh, sign and promote. I mean, somebody gave me some of the Army men, too. Uh, some of the Army men at night when they snuck out of the toy box. And... Uh, so if somebody had actually lifted a picture off the screen of the army guys and uh, said, you just sign this for us. So at least uh, they had some sort of memory from that. Yeah. Uh, also, like uh, even at the conventions, I have a, a picture where, of uh, Fungus from the uh, Monsters, Inc. video game. Uh, that was originally for the movie Monsters, Inc. Frank Oz was the voice of Fungus as a construction supervisor or whatever. And that was and, Fungus, that was the guy with the three eyes, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, the, the hard hat. Yep. And uh, so for the uh, video game, whether they couldn't get him or uh, needed somebody from the West Coast to do it, uh, I guess things added up to, well, I did Fozzie's voice and so did Frank, so... I would be in his range. So I did the voice for the video game. Uh, I think he spun it off to two games. And uh, so people were surprised in that because they were like, oh, what else did you do? And then I'd tell them something like that. And they were very surprised. And I said, yeah, surprise me. I forgot I did that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, too, you know, they bring me in to do uh, voices here and there. So if, if anybody wanted to follow along with what you're uh, what you're up to or they had questions about, you know, like you said, uh, wanted, wanting some speaking engagements or some, some coaching, where would they find you? Are you on social media anywhere? Or? Uh, well, I'm watching what social media I do because I've seen a lot of celebrities bounce around, so they weren't where they were when they promoted themselves. So uh, right now I'm on Facebook. Uh, Greg Berg, but there's a few of them, so you have to look for the uh, right uh, one. Uh, there's not that many, but uh, and then my email is I do voices at yahoo.com for anybody who wants to get in touch with me uh, with questions or offers. And that was I do voices at yahoo.com. That's that's for my emails, yeah. Okay. And, uh, uh, Basically, yeah, because I'm not settled with a, a particular speaking uh, uh, manager for now to get me to do some of the events I like to eventually uh, appear at to not just do signings, but to stand up and tell them what I do. And cause I, as I say, I've seen other voice people do this. They got up to talk about their career work but uh, and, and encourage people to follow their dreams but what I do is I, I say okay this is how to get what you want to do because this is how I did it and so if I could do it you can do it too and it's easier than you think is the overall uh, pitch and uh, so yeah that's hopefully going to start rolling soon I, I had to hold off all during that pandemic because you know, they, they were afraid of having group meetings I don't, I don't do Zoom uh, 
lessons or whatever, things like that, Zoom or Skype. Yeah. I prefer being there in person because it's like actors uh, doing scenes, you know. <laughs> you, you work off the emotion. Oh, sure. And, of the room and stuff, but I, I prefer that. Um, and that's starting to pick up again, so that's why hopefully I'll be out there from town to town or wherever that has an interesting group that'd be uh, happy to have me in. And I think that's great. I mean, I really do. About goals. Yeah, because it is about goals. It's not, it's, I learned a long time ago, there's a big thing about being one of those motivators and being a coach. And the motivators, you go there and they get you all pepped up and then they leave and take money and leave. And me, I get up there and I tell them, do, here's the instructions. <laughs> now, go off and do them. And uh, if, if there's any questions that didn't work out, uh, it, it must be something that you weren't doing all the way through from the basic instructions they give or... Uh, if you have a question, what else? Uh, then I might be able to brainstorm and say, okay, try this thing. But uh, I'm giving it to the, the attendees as to what they could uh, uh, do to get into a better place that they'd like to be. Now, I believe I saw that if someone wanted to get a video saying happy birthday in like, say, Baby Fozzie's voice, telling someone happy birthday or congratulations. You provide that as well, don't you? I, I was on this group. It's called Cameo. Some people, uh, I, I don't know how, how the reception is these days, but Cameo is full of people from uh, athletes to uh, favorite celebrities and people that they watch on TV or voicing. And uh, if you go to Cameo and would want a personal... A video. What they did was when it first started, because it's it's been years that I, I had done that and on and off doing it. Uh, it used to be like a one minute message you you would get saying happy birthday, uh, keep up the good work at such and such job or whatever you want to have said. But uh, now I think they're letting you just ramble on for even five minutes. So, mm -hmm. uh, here and I'm doing this by the way you know there's the message and all that so it depends it's starting to get a little uh, confusing uh, as to turning it into a <laughs> like a podcast almost <laughs> <laughs> I'm like well I, I signed up to, to, to you know shoot off a message and say something funny here and there but if it turns into a video uh, it can get kind of expensive so I, I don't promote it as much, but I'm there. Yeah, want something. Uh, so, and well, and again, we're we're looking forward to seeing you in Grand Island at Grand Comic Fest Five uh, next month. Here, um, we just want to give you an opportunity. If there's anything that you want to say to the folks that are listening, or the folks that might be in attendance, um, you know, any kind of message you want to give them, the, the floor is yours. Well, uh, hopefully. Um I guess, you know, the people uh, hear about it uh, or tell somebody else about it and say, hey, I heard you like this guy. Well, he's going to be there, but uh, I'll be there for however long you need me. Uh, signing pictures, uh, signing items. Uh, if you have selfies, there's, uh, we could do that. Uh, or do a recording on a phone message or whatever like that, too. But uh, that, that'll be at whatever 
uh, area they assigned me to. Uh, I don't know, because uh, some events have panels and speakers and doing that, but uh, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be there. <laughs> so uh, I look forward to whatever you want to come up and talk about and remind me, saying, hey, this was my favorite episode, or can you do the voice or whatever. But yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm usually doing the voices there when I'm feeding the people. Said, hey, look, it's this guy, and then I do the voice. Uh, if we get into favorite episodes, I, I might keep you busy doing yeah. <laughs> doing the Star Wars episode of Muppet Babies because that's my favorite. Oh right, right. Very that iconic is, episode. Yeah. But it's great being part of people's memories and uh, meeting them as well because uh, I've heard many stories of people that uh, said they grew up wanting to be a stand-up comic because of watching Fozzie when he was little, starting out. And uh, it's great to hear these stories and people that. Uh, like even the, the touching ones where their families were constantly fighting while they were watching TV and I was the uh, uh, attraction for them to be watching uh, to take them away from the pain of their family. Uh, uh, yeah. Problems. yeah. Right. So you said that, that, uh, that some people come up and they say that Fozzie Bear inspired them to be a stand-up comedian. To do comedy, yeah. Would Would Fozzie Bear have any any advice for a, an aspiring stand up comic? Well, he I don't know because he was always funny. So uh, uh, he said, just just get the jokes right, and if not, make fun of it as well. <laughs> like, uh, uh, how do you fix a broken pumpkin? Uh, how? With the pumpkin patch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, about the timing and all that. Uh, well, actually, because one, one of the episodes that uh, they sent to me were of the uh, Muppet shows and said, okay, here's Fozzie grown up doing his act or whatever scene it was. And they showed Fozzie when he was uh, trying to sing and he was offbeat. And that, that was the joke of the, the scene. So, you know. Fozzie Bear <laughs> had dad jokes before dad jokes were a thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, but, but that's what stood out, and that's why he was Kermit's best friend on the road trips and all. And, yeah. My, my daughter's always giving me dirty looks because I, I tell her a dad joke, and she just shakes her head at me. All right, right. <laughs> but the, the thing <laughs> is... Well, that happens these days, yeah, because uh, I, I see him online now, uh, and I'd say, yeah, I wonder if I could keep that one, or that one's just too bad. And uh, <laughs> that's what they're labeling him as now but yeah I've got, I've got comedy in me mostly that's why because I'm trying to you know, make people happy and uh, do happy things I mean uh, years ago I tried out for the G.I. Joe kind of cartoons yeah, oh, yeah. that or us these uh, killer video games and I remember <laughs> distinctively giving it what I can as the uh, soldier going rip off his head tear off, you know, stab him in the neck and the the guy trying to pick out who he's going to use he goes you sound too nice <laughs> 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 well I'm a nice guy but uh, you know you have to act and all this so over the years I tried to uh, give it a little more grit and all that but as you, as it came about the whole uh, picture of my career has been mostly uh, 90 percent uh, nice character family friendly entertainment and that's what they're going to get if they 
That's great. And we'll just tell people, please don't bring tomatoes because I think you might have an aversion to the, the tomatoes being thrown. Uh, yes. Unless they need me to sign one. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. we'll, we'll sign oh, anything, well, right? <laughs> well, great. Just... People doing that with baseballs. They're having like newscasters sign baseballs, but I'm like, he's a newscaster, not an athlete. <laughs> but that's their collection of... Uh, famous sign baseball. Yeah. Yeah, so but, if you have a tomato you want signed, bring it out to Grand well, Comic Fest 5, April 21st through 23rd. But if he, if he says a bad joke, don't throw it at him. <laughs> well, whatever they throw in, bananas, cabbages, uh, you know, but it, it eventually would wilt away, though, so. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some pictures I'll sell, uh, you know, sign and sell. Uh, so. But yeah, uh, people do like for the Ninja Turtle things. Yeah, yeah they might have a, a, a item at home that they want to order those pops. I don't know if they made. Yeah, they do have some Ninja Turtle pops out there. Oh sure. So uh, yeah, I mean, aside from the pictures I have, uh, uh, some people even still have one of those turtle vans. I guess they still sell them, but they might have original ones and all that. So I've signed those sign people's arms <laughs> <laughs> one guy yeah in detroit said you know sign here and then i was looking and he had hulk hogan on his uh, bicep and uh, he says well now that you sign there i'm gonna have that tattoo like, that's well, cool oh wow yeah, a lot of fun to fun people out there so we, we're, we're looking forward to, to meeting you and interacting with you next month uh, at grand comic fest five and uh, I just want to want to thank you for taking the time out to uh, to let us get to know you a little better and, and let the folks that are going to be attending get to know you. This has been a very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, this was this was really fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, it's. Uh, well, I mean, the fans will get what they uh, see. It's uh, I'm not one of those guys that has been in the news <laughs> that uh, bring up all kinds of uh, turmoil. And, and, uh, and we we appreciate that. Yes, <laughs> it's, well, that's what I'm promoting out there to you know whoever, whether they're casting people or whatever. They say, "We want a nice guy. I'm here, and uh, let's have fun." But because uh, there have been those celebrities like, "Well, I can't do this, but then I'll do this." And, but well, you have to, do, you know, uh, whatever they're into. And uh, I said, "Well, I, because I, I think it's basically because I have that Midwestern." person in me uh I, grew, I was born in new york but uh moved to ohio uh at a young age and so those are the type of people i uh, uh grew up with where no no drama that kind of thing and uh that's maybe some people say that might be the secret as to how i've been doing this so long <laughs> <laughs> just being nice no demands i mean yeah. well you know yeah, let's all be nice. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I think that's a that's a great closing statement. Let's all be nice. Be be decent to one another. Well, thanks to Mister Rogers, I, uh, he 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 touches me uh, in the heart uh, with watching his uh, attitude and all that. They turned that into his own show there. So. Yeah, yeah. We all love Mister Rogers. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Greg, uh, thank you for, for taking this time out to, to talk to us and, uh, 
And again, um, Grand Comic Fest 5, April 21st through 23rd. You can come out and uh, and meet Greg and experience this this for yourself in person. So yeah, because I haven't done uh, many uh, Midwestern. I, I've only been to New York and California and Nevada. So this is a, a breakthrough for a Midwest uh, meet and greet. And uh, uh, so if you can do it, come on by. That that sounds great. So well, well, thank you, Greg. Um, and we, we, we encourage everyone to come by. We'll put all your contact information in our show notes and anybody can get a hold of you or come out and see you in person. So, Excellent. Yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Greg. Good talking with you. Nice you talking too. with you. like to binge watch tv did you know you could binge listen to podcasts head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days you like podcasts about wrestling they have that do you like podcasts about tv and film they have that do you like podcasts about horror emc has that too do you like comedy do you like books guess what they've got you covered head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today.